we could have went to jail that night. Yes, we could have. There's yeah. a lot of nights I could have went to jail. So. <laughs> it's the class of 1980. 40, 40, 40 years. 40 years is indeed a long time. And I'm um, joining the photos you guys are posting on uh, the group page. Um, the uh, Some of you were obviously from the fourth or fifth grade blessed with uh, good looks early on. Unfortunately, some of us just look dorky as ever. Uh, who knows? Maybe we still do, but... So if you look under the audio player in the uh, in the blog listings that uh, post each time there's an episode, you can now subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite Android aggregator if you like to have these automatically feed to your phone, tablet, or whatever you want to listen to them on. Anyway, just a simpler way for you to get each episode. As some of you know, about 15 years ago, I became involved in the hobby of acapella barbershop scene with the group in frederick maryland and in alexandria virginia uh, the group in frederick uh, last five years is invited every year to an orioles game at camden yards to sing the national anthem at the beginning of the game and this year was in mid-april which of course was canceled so i asked the uh, three other guys in the quartet to send me an audio file and i would put them together and uh, so here it is, Barbershop Quartet Tribute to Rekindling Old Friendships. Friends, here's to old friends. Well, we tried to make this interview happen yesterday, but we finally got the technology worked out, and I am just thrilled to be able to talk to one of my best friends in high school, Michael Kuntz, welcome to the show, Michael. Good, good. Thanks for having me. It's a lot of fun here to finally get to talk to you and and everybody out there. That's cool. Well, before we get started, Bill reminded me of something I had forgotten, completely forgotten. And was that you and I that went up on the old turnpike, the five miles of blocked off turnpike and raced our cars? Got to <laughs> Yes, it was. You beat me miserably. <laughs> was Greg Schaefer? Uh, was Greg Schaefer yes. up there? Okay. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. Oh my! And goodness. you beat you know you just you beat me miserably. So, who in the world had the idea to cut the gate open and go racing on five miles of a deserted turnpike? I have no idea. <laughs> you know, the statute of limitations may maybe not be over yet, so I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it's long over. We could have went to jail that night. Yes, we could have. There's a lot of nights I could have went to jail. So. <laughs> well, give, give us a uh, quick overview of where you've been and what you've done. I know you've done a bunch of stuff since uh, since high school. Yeah, I'm currently living in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I work for a bank here. I've been with uh, BMO Harris Bank for 20 years. I do foreclosure work uh, for the bank. I'm still working, even though we have this little uh, pandemic going on. So I'm very fortunate. Uh, got out of high school. Uh, well, when I got out of high school, I was still working at Sunnyway Diner. You and me and Bill were still there. So and we kind of drifted from there. And then after that, I went to straight manufacturing. Oh, okay. And I don't need, are they still there? Oh, absolutely. Are they? Okay. Yeah, they built a, yeah, I went, they built a place north of, on North 11, coming out right close to where I lived, actually. It's kind of... Uh, uh, on the other side of Route 11, but they're north of the abattoir. 
Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah, I started there when they were like downtown. I don't remember the road. I used to work with uh, Tom Bowman. And that was a real education for me. I, uh, my father was a well-respected engineer, so I think they brought me in thinking that I was just going to take over the place. Well, I found out I'm not real good at creating things. So I, uh, I ended up there, worked there about nine months, and um, I was painting I-beams by the time I finished there. So when I said bye-bye, it was, uh, it was mutual. So... After that, I had lost, uh, of course, lost a job, and then I couldn't pay my rent. And then I decided my mom was living in Florida at the time. So my mom said, why don't you come down here and give it a try? So that was a tough decision. I remember that day I was going to leave my hometown, and I knew I probably wouldn't come back. So that was a tough one, but I made it. Went down there and uh, Got a job at a convenience store right off the bat. And there was an incident I'd like to tell you about that really changed my life. I was working at this convenience store just to make ends meet. And the guy come in and robbed me. Oh, wow. Put a gun to my Yeah. Put a gun to my head and uh, he, uh, he, uh, he worked me over pretty good. And after that, I got into the law enforcement or the court side of life. And I decided that I was going to be a, uh, I'd be a cop. So that's what I, that was my endeavor. So after that happened, I, uh, I joined the army to get a little bit of experience. So I spent from 1983 to 1986 in the army as an MP. I did a tour overseas in Germany. I was assigned to a squad that was uh, doing security for the Pershing two missile systems. You remember those back in like 86, 87? Okay. I was doing security for those, and we were riding, you know, Chinook helicopters and and all over Europe. So that was a that was a fun time. Then they uh, sent me back to the states. I was did a year at Fort Lewis, Washington, patrolling the base there. And when I got out, I uh, joined the Winter Haven Police Department. And worked with them for a year, and I got transferred over to the Bartow Police Department. And this is still in Washington? No, this was, I'm sorry. I had, when I finished my tour in Washington, I flew back to Florida. Okay. Uh, I, was look, I was looking at police jobs in Pennsylvania. It crossed my mind, but they were just paying terrible, you know. And uh, Florida was paying the most, so I decided to head back to Florida. And uh, did, uh, did 10 years of uh, police work. Enjoyed it, but I don't know. I'm tired of it. When you deal with the bottom 10% of the population 90% of the time, it has a, it has a tendency to wear on you. Uh, you become cynical. You become, um, you know, everybody's bad, you know? And I didn't like that. So I kind of eased out of that and got the opportunity to move to Wisconsin. My wife at the time was from here. We would come up to Wisconsin and visit and just loved it. And in 90s, yeah, it was 96. We just packed everything up and moved up here, and we've been here ever since. When I first got here, I did some repossession work for a bank, and then I kind of just that that bank, you know, closed up. So then uh, another bank picked me up, and I've been doing foreclosure work ever since. It seems like it would be emotionally difficult work. I'm, I'm not <laughs> sure exactly what you have to deal with, but it seems like you're dealing with people with a very difficult time. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you what I've learned through this work is that 
99% of the people want to pay their house payment, but there are situations and there are things that happen in people's lives that are out of their control. You know, a spouse dies, half the income is cut, medical problems, job losses, things of that nature. I mean, it just, you know, things that they did not foresee coming. And, you know, and especially when the housing boom hit in 2008 and nine. Yeah, that had to be nasty. Oh, my goodness. We were processing, uh, oh, my God. I know we were selling 100 properties a day just wow. out of foreclosure. Is that it right? Was, it, it was amazing. And, and the government, and thank goodness, I mean, we were just, we were foreclosing. We had no rules. We were just foreclosing and selling, trying to recoup our losses as much as we could. Yeah, I remember property values were dropping so fast that um, people were just scrambling trying to get out, but but uh, nobody was buying, so the prices went down further. No exaggeration. We had we were we really invested heavily in Arizona. We were selling quarter acre dirt desert lots for a million dollars. Wow. We were financing them for a million dollars after the after the whole market collapsed. We couldn't get twenty five thousand dollars for them. Oh my goodness! I and That's I can't incredible. tell you how many I don't know how many hundreds of accounts came across my desk, and I went to my manager one day. I said, "How much longer can we do this <laughs> before we we run out of money here?" And he goes, "I don't know." So wow. and it lasted about another year, and then we they they went belly up. It was a tough time. Yeah, exactly. Well. I know you have at least two daughters because it's on your author profile on Amazon. So tell me about that. You know about the book. Good job. You know about the book. Sure. Bill and I bought your books. We. <laughs> That's true. You did. Oh, I forgot about that. So. Yeah, I have two daughters, Nicole and Alex. They're all grown and they're doing their own thing. I have a grandson who's 11, Isaiah. And yes, writing is uh, a passion of mine. And when did that start? Oh boy, I've always been writing. I've always enjoyed writing. And one day I had this story in my head and it just materialized into a book and uh, I put it together and some people liked the story. So I said, okay, I'll self-publish it. And I have two books out there. I don't know if you know, but I got two. So if anybody's interested, just Google my name and put uh, Blood Drive and Lie in the Grave. Those are the two titles of the two books. So, Yeah, well, I'll stick, um, I have the links saved, so I'll stick those in the show notes. People can just click through to purchase. So, um, they're, they're somewhat dark, so is that, <laughs> is that normally where your uh, muse comes from? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much, yeah. So, you know, I've, my whole life I've done nothing. You know, I've been, I've been the cop and the foreclosure. I'm always trying to force people or, or picking up the, the aftermath of everything. So I don't know, maybe, uh, maybe some of that cynical is still with me, but I think I've gotten rid of most of it. Well, the fun part for me was, uh, <laughs> seeing my last name and Stoller's last name. Uh, you named landmarks after us uh, in your book. Yes, I did. <laughs> yes, I did. Yes. I, I kind of picked out things, you know, <laughs> You know, and, and people who don't know me just think, okay, well, it must be a real streak. You know, well, I was just making it up. I was like, oh, we'll just do it. So, so interesting places that you've vacationed or visited. Well, I haven't done a lot of travel. Well, I did when I was in the service. I think I was lucky 
when I joined the army, when I did those uh, helicopter missions, we used to have, we used to transport the nuclear warheads on the Chinooks and we would get in, in, in the, uh, in the helicopters and they never told us where we were going. We would suit up, we'd get in the helicopter and as soon as we hit the air, then they would tell us for security reasons. Right. Exactly. So, so, I mean, I'd be in the air and they go, okay, gentlemen, we're going to Belgium. So we'd spend two days in Belgium. Next yeah. mission, we're going to Italy. So I got to travel a lot when I was younger. So traveling to me, I don't do much of it. You know, I've seen everything, you know, overseas. I think the one thing that I have not seen yet is Alaska. That's one of my bucket list things. Riding in helicopters is dangerous enough, and then you add a nuclear warhead. <laughs> Did you have any close calls? No. But, you know, as I'm doing that, I remember when I was doing those, we would, of course, obviously we'd get sleepy, and I'd lay my head down on the, on the warhead itself, you know? And, uh, I'd, and I would think to myself, there is no one in the world ever going to believe me that I'm resting my, my head on a nuclear warhead. So, <laughs> so. It's really interesting how they transport those. They put them in this big case, and in around the case, they put a nerve agent. Ooh. So if anybody tries to open them up, if they will instantly. You, you can't just open those up. So they were very careful. If you ever see a leak, <laughs> let us run. know. Okay. <laughs> we'll let you know. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Favorite foods or restaurants? What kind of a foodie are you? Oh, I'm a very picky eater. I don't do a lot of restaurants. I make a lot of my own salads and stuff like that. I didn't. I In the last 10 years, I've really started eating well. I like the lean meats and the porks and the salads and things of that nature. So, Sounds like you're staying fit. So staying that's fit, good. yeah. Cycling is another one of my hobbies. I, look, I love to cycle. In fact, last time I was in Greencastle, which was about six, seven years ago, I, uh, I threw the bicycle in the, in the trunk, and uh, I was riding around. I had a whole week off. I stayed with Bill Stoller. So I spent the whole week in green just riding the bicycle everywhere. So, <laughs> so I had okay. a great time. And the weather was great that week. So Interesting memories from high school. Oh, I got tons. <laughs> I got tons. Sunnyway Diner. You know, trying to get the silverware out on Friday and Saturday night when it was Popeye night. You know, and Ray Williams back there screaming he needed silverware. You know, and just and then we'd uh, we'd step out to have a cigarette or something. Boy, he'd get so mad. <laughs> I remember the afternoon that you wrecked your yellow Camaro. Really? You remember that? I, I remember that because I don't remember. I, thought, my, I, I mean, it was Mark Rice and I. We're mm-hmm. driving around town doing burnouts, and we came up on that turn, and yep. uh, my hand slipped off the wheel for a second, and when I grabbed it back and turned, I was in the stones and just took out that yep. section of guardrail and down over the bank we went upside down and <laughs> knocked that house off the foundation. And uh, the the weirdest thing was Mark is going crazy. He says, my dad can't find out about this. And so the police come, he ran, the police come. And I say, no, I was alone. Well, I got in more trouble for a false police report than anything else mm-hmm. during that whole deal. What you don't know is I was out cruising around in my, remember the red Dodge Demon I had. Yep. I was out cruising around and I came up on your accident. Is and that I looked right? down and I, 
Yes, you don't know this, do you? I come up on your accident as soon as I saw your car upside down and the lid smashed. I went over to the officer and I said, are they okay? Is he still alive? They go, oh, yeah. He's <laughs> so. Well, it smashed, the roof, it smashed the roof line down level. Uh, it's yes, it amazing did. that we uh, walked out of that one. It's amazing. To this day, I remember that. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, how did he not get killed in that wreck? So, Well, I don't. how did I get from there to Sunnyway Dime? Did you take me? I think so. Because I didn't call my dad till uh, I needed to go home. <laughs> exactly. Exactly right. I, I, I needed to go that. home from the I diner. Did. It was a couple hours later, I uh, called my dad and said, hey, I wrecked my car. <laughs> he was furious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was such a pretty car. It was a pretty car. It was a beautiful car. I was a mess behind the wheel, though. I remember when I was 15, I used to pay you to let me drive uh, <laughs> drive your car. I don't know. If oh you yeah, that's that. right. I do. I remember that. Oh my goodness. Yeah. 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 We did a lot of. Uh, well, I remember the orange. I had this orange and black Dodge Challenger after that. So, I don't know if you ever remember that car or not. I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, when I was talking to Bill, I actually inter- had to interview Bill twice because the first time we were telling too many uh, crazy stories, but I remember we. The diner would close. If it was snowing, we would uh, a couple of us would grab Elmer Happel's back bumper, and he would go uh, fishtailing down uh, uh, oh, Williamson yeah. Avenue. <laughs> we were we were sliding oh, along yeah. on our feet. Yes, I remember that. So, it's amazing we made it out alive. It really is. It's absolutely amazing. It is. I didn't. Uh, I really at that point in my life, I was pretty messed up. I didn't really uh, think I would live much past that point so i didn't i didn't care too much uh anyway uh, anything else you like i don't want to keep you too long anything else you'd like to share that i haven't asked you no it's just uh i i need to get back to green castle i need to see things the last time i was there it got kind of busy the town has gotten busier Indeed. Um, trying to yeah trying to get through downtown oh my god I just couldn't believe the traffic. I'm thinking, folks, you need a bypass or something here. So yeah, you gotta be careful. Certain times of day, you just can't uh, can't maneuver just through can't. that 1611 uh, intersection. My dad still lives in town. He lives in uh, he lives right off of Williamsport or the Williamson Road there, a little road called Starlight Drive. He still lives there. Okay. So, in fact, his birthday is Tuesday. He's going to be 81. Oh my is god! That right. Yeah, I gotta go see. Mom's still going well. Mom's living in Jacksonville, Florida. Her and her husband live down there. Um, my brother Steve lives in Baltimore, Maryland. So we're all over the place. So and here I am in Wisconsin. So what's it like in Baltimore? The governor was afraid Baltimore is going to be like New York City. You know, I haven't talked to I haven't talked to my brother. No, my brother had it. He actually had the coronavirus. Okay. He, he got it, uh, but he got through it, and his son got it too. But they 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 went through it, and from what my mom said, that it really goes after your lungs. Really goes after your lungs. Right. So yeah, my my son in law had it, and it just you know when you can't get your breath, it just takes yeah. all the energy out of you. You know, it's just like. You only live for one thing, you know, making sure, <laughs> making sure you yeah, still uh, can get a, get oxygen every breath. I, I, 
I'm really curious to see how this is going to change the landscape of, I think the working from home is going to become the norm. I think, you know, all these employers and stuff have invested all this money to get everybody working from home. After this is over, I, they're not going to just flick the switch and say, okay, come back. You know, I think it's really going to really change the working landscape. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you, uh, I think you may be right. Uh, they realize, you know, once you realize you can, your workforce can work from home, it makes it much easier to um, navigate that landscape, you know, if someone's mm-hmm. sick or whatever. Yeah, I think it's going to change that. I think it's also going to change the way people look at people coming to work sick. Oh, <laughs> I absolutely. I think it's going to say, you know, you need to stay home. Uh, I think it's going to change the simple gesture of a handshake. I don't yeah, think that's gonna, sad. Yeah, you know, in our generation, a handshake, you didn't hand, if you didn't shake someone's hand when you met them, you were rude. Exactly. It's almost to the point now. If you do shake their hand, it's you're being rude. So <laughs> that's a good point. I, uh, yeah, it's um, it's really going to change the way we live here, and uh, maybe for the better. I don't know, but we'll see. Well, I really appreciate you taking some time out of your busy day and talking to me. And I don't know if you'll make it home, make it back for the reunion, but at least people got to hear hear your story. Yeah. So. Yeah, I will. I'm. I've got all the plans to be there, so I, I need to get in there and see some people I haven't seen in 40 years, and see my dad. And you know, it's going to be a good time. And I like this format. This format allows people to kind of tell them about themselves. So when I get there, I don't have to say it 50 times to 50 different people. They go, "Well, hey, just <laughs> go on Facebook, listen to his story." You know, so well, that was kind of the idea behind this that I presented to Bill. You know, I haven't really kept up. And so for me to come 40 years later and sit down and hear everyone's story, it's just not possible. So I thought, why don't we take care of that ahead of time, get everyone's story out there, uh, those who care to share, and then uh, the evening can spent be spent enjoying each other. Or maybe you heard something on one of the interviews that you have in common and say, hey, I did that also. And uh, there's point another point of connection there. And we can sit back and we can enjoy each other's company so, and spend more time doing that. I agree. All right, Michael. Have a good right, day, Dick. and thanks a lot. You bet. Take care, guys. I'll All talk right. to you again. We'll see. All right. Bye-bye. And as promised, I will have links to both of the books in the show notes under Michael's interview. Just click through. They're both available on Amazon. Click through and purchase both of them. Sit back with a glass of wine and uh, enjoy seeing inside the mind of one of your classmates. They were delightful fun for me to read. So uh, anyway, get in line for your interview. Contact me on Facebook. As I mentioned in the preview, you can now subscribe via Apple Podcasts or your Android device. Just another way to uh, make sure you get every episode. Thanks a lot. See you next time.